0: This is an interesting time. And I've been thinking a lot about the messaging that might be necessary for those thinking about AI and how to deliver it with their customers. And turns out, I'm not alone. Beate Chillette joins me to talk more about messaging, storytelling, and what it means in an AI world in this bonus episode of The Business of Tech. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Beyonce, it's such a pleasure to have you on today.
1: Dave, I'm excited to be here.
0: All right, we gotta do the we gotta do the background question to give everyone the the piece. You've got a pretty cool story of going from being in debt, you know, over a hundred thousand dollars, to selling a business to Bill Gates. And I'm assuming Microsoft, but tell me more. Tell me a little bit about your your journey.
1: Yeah, so it was actually Bill Gates himself. It was one of the okay. companies he owned privately. And I sold a stock photography syndication, which was, interestingly enough, a technology-based business because it was all about digital assets and getting them to the right people. Originally, I'm from Germany. I am a photographer by trade. So I've always been in the creative arts, but always liked the business side of it much better. And so from being a photo editor in, at L Magazine in Germany to being a photographer in, in the United States, a production company. And then eventually a stock photography syndication covered 10 years of just brutal hardship and adversity, fires, floods, riots, earthquake, a tsunami, September 11th, a lawsuit. I have covered it all. Now I added a pandemic and a hurricane to it, too. So I, I think I'm a disaster proof business owner by now.
0: And now you've been focusing a lot on growth strategies. Like, Tell me a little bit about how that, that pivot worked out and what you're working on now.
1: Yeah. So what I found is when I worked with creative people, that there are a lot of people that I call visionaries, thought leaders, leaders, or people that are just unusual, that don't fit the regular mold. And that really interests me. And I find that people that oftentimes have these big ideas or complicated ideas, they don't know how to land the plane. And so I help people that have these ideas and they are like 50 puzzle pieces in their heads and they can't lasso them together, I crawl into their minds in in a really kind of cool process. I lasso them, them in and then I put them in a system and then they can go out and sell it. And so I'm going to give you an example. I was working with a client in London who is a data scientist who wanted to develop a framework for ethical AI for search engines for luxury brands. I mean, it doesn't get any more specific than that. I would be lying to you, Dave, if I would tell you that I understood everything that she said, but what I was able to do is pick the pieces in the right order and help her to articulate it so she could sell it to somebody who didn't speak the language because the decision makers don't often speak the language. She walked out a week later, she closed a $50,000 deal.
0: OK, which is it's, it exactly sounds like our audience a lot. These typical MSPs, managed services providers, IT services companies, you know, the kinds of people that are highly technical, deep skill set, but often struggle on telling a good story. I mean, I, I smile and go like my superpower more than anything. is not necessarily that I'm great technically. It's that I spin a good yarn is <laughs> that I can I can tell a good story and I can c- convince people how much are you seeing that disconnect and what are people doing to get over it, particularly in technical fields?
1: I would say in technology that that disconnect is probably higher than anywhere else. And I think that has to do with a lot of things because people in technology typically have a, a higher IQ or they're hired with a higher IQ specifically. And I have a company here in Los Angeles by name of Cornerstone. And when I asked the, the, the CTO, what's his hiring process, says we hire on IQ. And I said, well, how is that working for you? He says, well, we have the smartest people. I said, no, how is that working for you? He says, the culture is a disaster. So um, the, the issue is that I think specifically in, in information technology, that there is a reward for being geeky or being super smart. And there's not enough emphasis on how to land these planes that are in your head. So other people can understand it. And even more more so, there is almost sometimes an arrogance around it where it says, well, I mean, you don't understand it. That, that proves that you're not as smart as I am. That might all be nice and good, but you can't sell like this because then other people say, I don't have any idea what you're talking about. This makes no sense to me. This may make sense to you. If you want to keep selling to yourself, go ahead. So we have to specifically in this moment in history, in time, in technology, that more people understand on how to use layman terms or reframe or spin a good yarn this in such a way that somebody wants to buy it actually understands what their outcome is when
0: they hire you. All right. There's a lot I want to unpack out of what you just said. First off, tell me why you think it's so important, like right now. What's important about this particular moment?
1: So if I look at artificial intelligence. And I see just, I mean, how fast it goes and how, you know, I I just finished something that would have taken me three, four weeks to do in a day, just by, you know, just pumping it in, giving the right prompts, boom, there it is. But I also know that there's a lot of bad guys or a lot of people that take shortcuts or people that are lying or people that don't know what the ethical way or what the consequence of an unethical way even is and how one small thing multiplies itself in a system over time if it is not done right. And then the problem just compounds itself to this astronomical issue that then is in every system in the company, you know, polluting, polluting every, every piece. Decisions are now being made on who stays, where the budget goes, where the ROI is, who who gets fired, who stays by artificial intelligence. And so we are now giving all the power on the C level, because what does the C level think about? Who can I get rid of? How many jobs can I replace by a machine so that I have higher profits? My shareholders make more money, I make more money, screw everybody else. If you are now not taking your laptop and you walk in into these offices of these of these companies and say if you screw this up the world's going to be in really really big trouble because machines don't go to dinner machines don't go on airplanes on vacations machines don't don't swim in 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 Fiji in the ocean machines don't do any of this so if we build a system that is by machines for machines who is going to run the economy so then what then there's going to be people that own the machines and then there's going to be the machines and everybody else is dead so what does that even mean so i think this is the time where we have an obligation and technology to say allow me to raise my hand there is these are the good things these are the questionable things and this is really 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 bad so why don't we why don't we teach What we know that is not going to cause permanent damage, why don't we keep it in check? And we've seen in the early experiments of how the machine started to talk, they developed their own language. If you are in this industry, if you're listening to this podcast, this is your moment, baby. I mean, literally, if I could get my hands on all of you and just give you a swift kick in the behind and say, no more, no more thinking about this. Get your value proposition out. You know, nail the message, nail the unapologetic value proposition, go out there and help people not to screw this up for everybody.
0: Now, I want to ask, because all of the I, I spent tons of time calling through the data and I, anybody listening to all the, the the daily version of the show knows that there have been the, the research studies that are really digging into this are showing that some of the most effective uses of A.I., is not around replacing people, but augmenting people. That in fact, you know, that that the, the idea of just replacing everybody with a machine actually ends up with, with lower levels of, of outcome, of positive outcomes. And that the best outcomes are actually not even empowering your best people with AI, but taking your B players and making them better that that actually is the best usage. So if that's what the data is telling us, what's the research is telling us, kind of what, what scenarios are you most worried about here that these non-technologists are going to latch onto?
1: to? Uh, it's, it's the cost savers. It's the budget cutters. It's the, it's the people that are driven by the profit's first idea. When When we were outsourcing to China, we were outsourcing to China at these large quantities, and we dismantled all these factories in the United States because we could do it somewhere else cheaper and faster. Not just did we hand over all of our secrets and technology to, to what we're still paying for, but we also got ourselves in a real crisis because we didn't have people that would be able to even afford to buy the cars that were done in the factories that were now no longer here. And then everybody goes like, oh, gee, um I didn't see that coming. It is so f- fundamental to say how could you not have thought about that? That's that's my point is that the people that are in the know like you your podcast and who you reach you need to speak up now because a lot of times the people that are making the de- decisions are dumb and reckless. <laughs>
0: That that uh, many of them are probably chuckling because that's oftentimes how users in general are described. So so you're sitting now with a with an you know with a owner of one of these IT organizations or a managed services provider. What are you telling them to focus on in terms of messaging to these customers? What would yeah. you tell them?
1: So the first thing I do is I say let's let's do an exercise. Let's crawl into the minds of our our potential customer. Let's understand really in depth what is going on in their head. So imagine I'm the CEO of a company, 500 people, right? Uh So somebody walked into my office and said, John, John, you know, AI, AI, here's a product. I'm going like, great. And then the guy does what he, what I've trained my entire company to do. He says, if we use this, we can lay off 10 people. It's going to save us $250,000. Uh, our KPIs are going to go up in the productivity department by 15%. So they're just regurgitating some sort of data that they're trained by the organization to come up with when they pitch. So if I'm now the provider for the solution, I need to know this. So when I reach out to the CEO or I sit on them next, next to them in an airplane, I said, let me guess. A guy named John came in your office, and he and he told you that he can, you know, tell you how to how to save ten people, two hundred fifty thousand dollars, and increase your productivity by 50 percent. Then he looked at me and said, "How did you know that?" Well, because I just crawled into your head because I know this is what's happening. You industry experts, you know exactly what's happening and what's being said. And then you need to say, "Here's why that's a problem." What do you mean that's a problem? Well, when you do that without that. Then that thing that you didn't want is going to become the thing in six months. And here's why. So you need to go in, and it's almost like you can't, you have to assume that they don't know because they do not know. So you have to bridge the gap between what their assumption is, right? Their base knowledge, which is rudimentary at best, your expertise, and then You have to figure out how to bridge that language of what you know with what they know in such a way that they'll pay attention to it. That is the biggest piece of, that's the biggest problem I see in in this industry is because it is so difficult for people that do these complicated um, processes because then they think they dumb it down. And I think that you need to just let go. It's not about dumbing it down. It is that they really, truly don't know. You have to be an educator first to, to help them to see what they don't know. Because if I don't know, I don't know. I may be dumb, I may be ignorant, but I'm not a subject matter expertise. That's why I'm hiring you. That's why I'm bringing you into my company. So be my subject matter expert, but not an arrogant prick, but a nice guy that explains it to me in such a way where I go, holy smoking macro, I had no idea.
0: So where's the line when you advise you know, companies to to think this way? Where's the line in terms of expertise, in terms of education versus? over information because they hire you because you're the expert. There's a lot they don't need to know necessarily, but they obviously need to have enough understanding to make good decisions. How do you advise on that line?
1: I advise, it's very simple. Take a piece of paper and I want you to put three lines on this piece of paper. And the first one is what the problem is that they see at the line on the other side, all the way on the other side, in the third column, you put in the solution that they want. That's the only two things you talk about. The piece in the middle, what you know and your solutions and how you do it, you do not get to talk about. All you refer to as my proprietary process will get you from the problem to the solution. That's it. That's simple.
0: Well, I'm going to chuckle and go listeners. That's what we call business outcomes. Been talking about that on the show a lot. (laughs) (laughs) It's measuring business outcomes. Now is, is there, let's go a little bit deeper there. Like how, what's a good filter to think about as you're, you're the person, you're the expert thinking about this. It seems simple. There's always a little bit more subtlety to that. What's the framing I need to keep in mind to make sure that I'm not too much in that middle bit.
1: I think the litmus test is the puzzled face. (laughs) Okay. So, so when, when, when they start to frown their eyebrows and, 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 and their eyes glaze over, then you probably have gone too far. That's why what we do is the solution is the signature growth system. So that's what I do. That's when people call me, when they go and they say, Beate, this all sounds really great, but, but I, I don't know how to do this. That's what I do. So I, I put it in a system. And then I say, okay, our transformational system takes you from a completely from from a from a CEO who has a great vision for his company to a company that utilizes, you know, the new technology or is ready for the new technology in the best possible way. And our signature growth system has five steps. And in those five steps in steps, step number one, we do a thorough analysis. And a, um, whatever, a data conflict uh, diagram or whatever you want to call it, you can throw some things in there that sound big, but that are not too complicated that people can understand. And then you say in this first phase, this is where we do the analysis in this phase. We do the evaluation, the needs evaluation of what it actually is that you're trying to achieve because we, why, why buy something that you don't need? In the third one, we look at the capabilities of your team. We expose the holes, the needs, the wants, the desires. You know, we make sure people are on board because your technology and change management is nothing if nobody does it. And then we are in phase number five. We do the implementation. And then when you have that, then you can go in and you can sit down with anybody and say. Allow me to take our proprietary system and explain to you sort of what our process is. And then the CEO says, oh, we already did this. Then you say, great. So you're moving straight to phase two. So you only have four other phases left. So you're pre-selling your other phases already ahead of time. That's how you do it. And then, then it's easy because then you go like, I, 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 or we, 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 we. You say, oh, our system. That's what our system does. Oh, it's, it's, it works so good. It's not about you. Then you can scale your company because then you have people that only do this, only do that. You have a diagnostic thing where they self-identify where they fall. you pre-selling everything. I mean, it's magic.
0: Be honest, I, I suspect you've got some resources. Where can I point people if they're interested in learning a little bit more and getting access to some of those resources?
1: Yes. So number one, I want you, if your business is going in this sine wave and you don't know what your growth blocker is, go take the quiz at uh, growthblockerquiz.com. I'll help you figure out with this quiz in two minutes what the number one business growth blocker is and then what to do about removing it. And if you've heard something, where you go, the woman is um, interesting. Go ahead to UncoverySession.com, fill out an Uncovery session, make sure you mention this show so you get priority treatment, and then talk to a business growth advisor, and then we'll help you figure out if we can help you to solve some of this. And while we're at it, will you please go to wherever you pick up this show and give Dave a five-star review, subscription, and leave a comment? even if it's just a green little heart saying that you've listened to this entire episode, but it signals engagement. Engagement gets it higher up in the algorithm and Dave can help more people and share it with one other person that needs to hear what we talked about today.
0: Well, this has been great having you on and thank you for explaining to everybody how I make a living too. (laughs) This has been great fun. Thanks for joining me. Thanks for having me. The Business of Tech is written and produced by me, Dave Sobel, under ethics guidelines posted at businessof.tech. Like the content, support the show at patreon.com/mspradio or buy our Why Do We Care merch at businessof.tech. If you want to reach our listeners, visit mspradio.com/engage.
1: Part of the MSP Radio Network.